0: And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. This week, Pastor Joel is preaching on Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 18, with the message, Finding Joy in All Circumstances. This week, we will start with a reading from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard and to all the rest whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. And now to the message from Pastor Joel.
1: Paul is writing these words from an imprisonment, most likely in Rome, Uh, and Acts tells us, the end of Acts tells us he's actually chained to a guard. Uh, Josephus, the Ancient scholar said it was probably a four or six hour guard that he was uh, chained to in prison, uh, chained to uh, a guard. And we shouldn't miss the the irony of this scene. Uh, Paul, who is an apostle. An apostle is a word that means sent one. Uh, Paul, an apostle, a sent one, can't go anywhere. He's stuck. He is stuck in prison, chained to a guard. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? A sent one stuck where he is. It would be like a a pianist with no piano. Frustrating, discouraging. But but Paul, he doesn't grumble or complain. He actually finds joy where he is. He he finds joy in all the circumstances, in, in very unlikely places and with very unlikely people. So this morning we're going to ask, well, how did he do that? How did he find joy? And I'm going to give you the answer. It's very simple, actually. Uh, Paul reversed the chains. He reversed the chains. You see, uh, it wasn't that he was chained to the soldier. It was that the soldier was chained to him. Uh, It wasn't that he was chained in jail. It was that the place that he had, God had sent him, and he was right where he was supposed to be. Paul reversed the chains. And before we get to the text and we kind of unpack how did he reverse the change, how did he find joy in unlikely places and with unlikely people, before we get there, I want to ask you, have you ever been in a a time in your life where you just felt stuck, you felt miserable, you're like, I just got to get out of here, a a time when you were just like, man, this is not where I want to be, I feel like God's calling me to so much more, and I'm stuck here, have you ever ever felt like that? I have, and I'm going to tell you about it. Uh when I was in 8th grade we moved from Ohio down to Georgia, Augusta, Georgia. Have any of you been to Augusta, Georgia? You don't want to go to Augusta, Georgia. It's it's hot and humid and you sweat, you walk out the door and you sweat, you get in your car and you you just sweat all the time. And the bugs they have down there in Augusta, Georgia are like they you can go like you can ride them to work. Like they're so big. <laughs> These bugs are so big, it's hot, it's humid, uh, the culture is, you hear about southern culture, and that's like the nice classy southern culture, Augusta, Georgia is like not that, and it is slow, it is so slow. The first time we went down there, we go to a fast food restaurant, and it took 20 minutes to get through the fast food restaurant, and we're, everything is just slow, because it's so hot and everyone's sweating and sticky, nobody, like, just not a great, I just did not like it. I moved all, away from all my friends in Ohio. It's my freshman year in high school. I'm stuck in a place I don't enjoy, I do not like. Well, I managed to get through high school, some very difficult years in high school. Uh, some other things happened, and I ended up having to stick around Augusta, Georgia to go to university there. So I ended up uh, registering for business classes, but at that time, God was doing something in my heart and calling me to missions, so I knew God wanted me to be a missionary. So, so there I am in Augusta, Georgia, a place I do not want to be, studying in a university. Uh, business finance, economics, all the stuff that I'm like, I'm not going to use any of this. God's calling me to the mission field. It felt pointless. It felt meaningless. and It was hard work, and I'm like, and I have no idea why I'm even, I'm gonna, am I ever going to use calculus again? And I'll tell you, no, I have not <laughs> used it. There are some jobs that you use calculus, so just if you need to use calculus, it's great, but for me, I'm like, I'm not going to use it anymore. The same time, I'm working at Chili's restaurant, so I'm working all day, and all these classes I thought were just like pointless and meaningless, and then I'm waiting tables at Chili's in Augusta, Georgia. Waiting tables is a very humbling uh, job, oftentimes, because most people don't go in there going, I wonder how I could be a blessing to the waiter. There you go. This is what I want, and I don't like it. What I don't like. So it's mainly selfish people. So I'm pouring my life on the meaningless work of school, and then I'm at this job where people are just like super, like just self-absorbed, uh, and I'm supposed to wait on them. And I remember one time, there's these people came in like five minutes before we were going to close. They sit down, they order two burgers, well done, which takes like 20 minutes to cook because I know, and I'm sitting there going, everyone else is clocking out and I'm waiting on these people. We serve them their food, these burgers, and they sit around just talking. And I'm like, come on, come on. But it gets worse because then, I don't know these people, otherwise I would have said I'm sorry, but, <laughs> but then they're like, they're just sitting around talking. And then they'd call me over, and i come over, and, I'd like, yeah, and they're like, these burgers are cold. And I'm like, of course they are, because you'd sit in there and just eat so I can go home. It was like, ah, so frustrating being in a place. I, I felt like the Lord was calling me to be a great missionary overseas, and there I was stuck in Augusta, Georgia. Well, I wasn't stuck alone, though. There was actually another guy uh, there, Jason, who I had met through Campus Crusade for Christ uh, at Augusta State University, and he also worked at Chili's with me. Except for, uh, for Jason, he had a smile on his face all the time. He was, he was loving life. He, he was sharing with people about Jesus and smiling. And, and Jason actually had uh, some of even in the same class as I was, and was going to go as a missionary to Mexico. Uh, he was one year older than than me, uh, and completely different. Even though he and I were both like stuck in the same circumstances, for for Jason he wasn't. He found joy in that place, and very unlikely place with very unlikely people, because. Jason, he made his mission was today. It wasn't in the future. It wasn't somewhere else. It was right in front of him. He he wasn't chained to Augusta, Georgia. Augusta, Georgia was chained to him, and he was going to share the love of Jesus with it. Now, in the same way that Jason, he found joy in all those same circumstances that I felt stuck, today we're going to see, the Apostle Paul wants wants to show us that it's possible to find joy in all circumstances. All circumstances circumstances. And if you're realistic, you might be going, yeah, that's great in a church building on a Sunday morning where everyone's dressed up nice. But how do I find joy in my circumstances? Because you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know the people around me that I'm dealing with. If you came home to my house and saw my family, you might not say that. How do you know that you can have joy. Where do you find joy? Where, where, where can you find joy in all your circumstances today? Well, that brings us back to Philippians. As Paul is going to encourage us to find joy in unlikely places with unlikely people uh, by simply reversing the chains. Paul's circumstances, they don't get any better from here. They actually get worse. The people he's dealing with is the same old people. But, but like my friend Jason, something was different in Paul. So I'd like to consider how we reverse the change to find joy in unlikely places with unlikely people. There, there's two, uh, two things that I think highlights, and if you, if you read through them, you see uh, there's a shift in things. Uh, Paul finds joy in prison and in persecution. He finds joy in the place he is, and he finds joy with the people that he's around, in prison and in persecution. He finds joy in unlikely places and with unlikely people. So I wanna wanna split those up and and make a few observations on each of those. Finding joy in unlikely places. Finding joy in unlikely places. There's probably a short list, and I bet if you Googled it, you'd find a short list of places that are really tough to have joy in. I was thinking the first one is hospitals. Wouldn't it be, it's so hard to find joy in hospitals. Or a principal's office? Uh, Work? Uh, Augusta, Georgia. It's hard. (laughs) Hard to find joy in Augusta, Church, And this is for me. And of course, uh, think about a first century Roman prison. Chained to a guard in bad conditions, not able to go anywhere. And that seems like an unlikely place to find joy. But Paul does. Let's look again in, in verse 12. Philippians 1 and verse 12. It says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. We'll stop right there. If it was me in that prison, here the letter of Philippians would have been very short. Help get me out of here. I don't like this situation. I don't like these circumstances. I don't like these people. I'm an apostle. I'm a sent one. Let me out so I can go. And yet Paul goes, I'm finding great joy in this very unlikely place. He does it by finding uh, two things. uh, Two things that makes him find joy. Here's the first one he finds. He finds the meaning. He finds the meaning. He sees where he is at, and he doesn't see it as pointless or meaningless. Anytime we, we are in a circumstance or situation where we're like, I don't get it, it just seems pointless to me. It's just going to rob you of joy. There's often times when things go like, they get a little bit chaotic or crazy or difficult. And, and, and the questions we ask are, where are you, God? Or, or why can't I be better? Why can't I do better with this thing? And it can, be, it can be frustrating. It can be discouraging. And we often feel very lonely. But actually, God is right there. It's so often that we turn and we look at uh, our circumstances rather than God who is waiting right behind us and going, I'm right here. It's not pointless. I've created this for you, for your good and for my glory. It's doing something in you. It's producing something in you. See, Paul, as he was in prison, he didn't say, oh, this is meaningless. It's pointless. Why am I doing any of this? He saw a different paradigm. He found the meaning behind it and said, oh, God is orchestrating all of this for for his glory and my good. He wrote this in Romans. It says, for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. There's a purpose, there's an aim, there's a meaning for whatever he's called you to. Even this morning, to wherever you are today. Whatever place you're in, whatever whatever like, situation you're in, there, there's a meaning behind it. God wants to do something in that. It reminds me of the story, and I'm sure many of you go right there and think of it too, is the story of Joseph in Genesis. Uh, Joseph, this beloved son and hated by his brothers. Like nobody liked him. So, so they end up... Uh, Selling him in slavery down to Egypt, his career takes a nosedive because he ends up in in jail because he's falsely accused by some powerful people, and he's just waiting and sitting in jail for probably up to seven years, just waiting in jail. But as, as Joseph, like, through the Spirit, looks back on his life, he doesn't go, it's pointless, it's meaningless, what's, it, what's going on? He looks back and he has, this one, uh, he has this one statement, he goes, I found the meaning in what God was doing. He says, what men intended for evil, God intended for good. Basically, so there's meaning in all of this. There's meaning in your circumstances, the situation, the place that God has you in. It's not pointless, God is at work, and He's still at work today in the place where you are. You're not tossed around just by circumstances and coincidences of what's happening. God is orchestrating something in your life. God is in control, and nothing comes into a believer's life without God allowing it to be there. So He has a purpose and a meaning for it. Now, you may not see it right now, but even in the most unlikely places, if you turn to the Lord, And surrender to his will. There'll be meaning. You'll find meaning out of it. He's doing something in you for his glory and your good. Paul found the meaning in it. And maybe this morning you need to find some meaning in where you're at. Here's the second thing. He found the meaning, but he also found the mission. Second point. Found the mission. Because wherever you are, God is calling you to something. Now, It reveals Paul's mission, though. If Paul's mission was like, man, I want to live a really comfortable uh, life that's really safe, and he's thrown in prison, man, he would be frustrated, and he would rob him of the joy. Man, his mission for being comfortable and uh, safe and well, like, that's imposing on his mission. But if his mission was to advance the gospel, and he sees guards right next to him, chained to him, he's like, I couldn't ask for a better situation. This guy can't leave. (laughs) You think of like if it's every, if like Josephus said, every four hours a new guard was chained to him. It was like Paul had a revolving witness thing going. We got four hours together. I'm going to make it count. I'm not stuck here. I'm connected to you, and I get to share life with you. I think, uh, I was just thinking about this, perhaps our next evangelistic event here at Hollyview would be bring chains, (laughs) let's go out to the community, latch ourselves to people, (laughs) then they're stuck with us, right? No, that's maybe a little uh, odd, but can you imagine Paul sitting there and every four or six hours being uh, a different guard being chained to him? What did those conversations look like? I know enough about Paul in the Bible that I, I can kind of imagine that. As Paul's like, what's your name? What's, what's your family like? What, what have you been looking for all your life? Is there something missing? Uh, how's, how's your wife doing with, with that thing she's been struggling with? Or, or what's that? And then they come back like a day or two later and, hey, I've been praying for you. You doing okay? Can I, can I tell you more? And there must have been something so overwhelming in this guy who is chained in prison and these guards who come in who feel like they're trapped in a prison in chains. And they see Paul, who should be like the worst of the worst. He's like, he's free. He has this like, like joy about him that is just captivating to these guards who are like, I want what he has. I want to be free. So then those guards who experience something so different because the gospel has taken root in Paul's life and it's so transformed him that even in a, a prison cell, he's finding all this joy and freedom in Christ that those guards go back and they tell the other guards, have you gotten stuck with Paul yet? Like If you're having a hard day, go get stuck with Paul. You'll come back completely changed. If he has four or six guards... Uh, or like four, six guards, like every couple hours or like in a day, every four guards, see, calculus. Uh, Yes, four, like a guard every four hours, that's six hours in a day. Uh, That's like however many hours in a week. (laughs) I should have studied more for calculus, right? That's not calculus. That's not calculus. That's like addition. (laughs) Angie come on up here. (laughs) Uh, In one year, if there was a different person for uh, every four hours, he would have had 1,456 people chained to him for four hours to tell them the good news of the gospel. And he's in prison for a couple years, just one at a time, not forgotten, Uh, not thrown around by his circumstances, but sees that he has a meaning, a deep meaning behind what God is doing, and he's on a mission. And it changes. I mean, it changes the whole landscape of the whole imperial guard. One at a time, Paul changes the whole imperial guard and all the rest, like everybody else, because they got families as well. And then other believers who are hearing of it, and maybe they're a little bit timid, like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? I don't want to get thrown in jail. All of a sudden, they hear about what Paul's doing, and they're like, man, we got nothing to lose. Like, if they throw us in jail, look at the fruitful work that God does in there. If he doesn't, look at the fruitful work we can do here. So, so they're even more bold, and they're proclaiming Christ. They're thinking, if he can do that in jail, maybe I can do that with my neighbor. Maybe I can do it with my friend or my coworker." Well, if you want to to have joy in unlikely places, don't leave here this morning going, I need to change my attitude. i got to be better. That's not going to do it. It's just going to cause more frustration. What you need to do is simply change your mission. Okay, so don't change your attitude. Like if you're you're miserable right now, don't don't try and change your attitude. I'm just going to be really happy. Don't change your attitude. Change your mission. Because your attitude reveals your mission. Your attitude reveals your mission. If your mission is right here and now, right in front of you, and you can see it, you'll find joy because there'll be opportunities all over the place to fulfill it. So that you won't, you won't see yourself being chained to that boss or coworker. No, That's not it at all. God's called you to them. That's your mission field. Uh, and, and so it's like reverses it. And then they get to be connected to you. And you get to share with them five days out of the week. This love of Jesus. You're not not chained to that house or those neighbors. God has connected you with them. You you get to see them every time you get the mail or take the trash out or or help feed their cat. All these gospel opportunities that you are connected with them. You're not chained there. You're given this wonderful mission and opportunity to be Christ to them. Your spouse is not a ball and chain. It's your opportunity every day to show them the love and forgiveness and freedom that you have in Christ to bring joy. You get this wonderful opportunity. The mission is right here, which makes every one of us missionaries. Do you know that? Every one of us are missionaries to, to Barlow or Damascus School or your neighborhood or to... The work that you're in or the customers that come, you're you're called on mission. Well, if you discover your mission, I think you'll you'll start seeing joy in very unlikely places. Let's move to the second area where Paul is able to find joy. Finding joy with very unlikely people. Philippians 1 verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. suffering in prison, like the worst of the things. And then he hears that his team outside that are free, the, the body of believers that he's like, these are my, my people, this is my tribe. Those people, some of them are actually uh, using it and kicking him when he's down to maybe make a name for themselves or, or just push Paul down to make themselves feel a little bit better. That would be, that would be hard to hear. that would be hard to be with those people. But Paul, like, he's able to like, and in that I rejoice. Like Christ, is, Christ is proclaimed, I rejoice. Like, how, how are you joyful in prison with people that should be, you should be supported by and they're kicking you down? And Paul goes, I, I, there's two things he focuses on. There's two things he wants, you to, he wants to draw your eyes to in any relationship that you have that may be tough. Two things he said, look here. Let me, let me tell you what those are. Here's the first one. Paul focuses on the message and not the motive. He focuses on the message, not the motive. The, the words that come out, he, you should be critical of. In other places, he's very uh, he's very aggressive when there's a false gospel being proclaimed. And he's like, we got to correct that and get that wrong. But here, it's like he's weighed the word. He's heard the message, uh, and it doesn't, doesn't appear to be wrong here. And, but he knows there's something going on but he doesn't sit in the place of God to judge their motives. He doesn't try to figure out what is going on in their heart. He doesn't even call anyone out in this thing. He's like, look, I know there's people with bad motives and really good motives. I know there's people out there that are destructive and there's people that are productive. I know it. Because Paul's probably like, because that was in my heart as well. Paul says there's some people moved by love and others out of selfishness. But he says, but I'm not God. I'm just going to take them at their word, and that's going to free me to find joy. He considered what he, what he heard. Don't, don't, don't get this wrong. He didn't go, well, anything's just fine. No, it's the gospel. There, there's, a, there's some elements of what it means to be in Christ that Paul held very dear. Just read Galatians or, or Romans. There's certain things that he will go to bat for. But then there's other things like that they say. This is what they say. And I don't know where their motives are at, but I'm not going to judge. So I'm just going to let that go. He didn't guess at their hearts. He just let God be God. And you think of how often is it tempting for us? I mean, okay, how, this is, how often is it tempting for me to judge people's motives? Uh, when we were in Slovenia, we were part of a little small church, like 20 people in the church, 20, 30 people. Uh, and we were asked early on if we would put some song sheets in the song book. Uh, And we're like, yeah, obviously we we would do that. I was helping play guitar and lead worship, so uh, we decided that we would just bring the 20 sheets of paper Sunday morning and put them in the book. It seemed, while I was, you know, doing worship practice. That's not what this lady expected, though. She expected it to be done earlier. So when we got there, she was very upset and disappointed that we hadn't done it earlier. Uh, But it went to, like, the nth degree because she started judging our motives. You guys don't care. You guys aren't for us. You you guys are trying to like sabotage us. It was just motive statement after motive statement. And in that, you know that she was, she must have been chained to some other truth or story that was just pulling her down that couldn't allow her to be in community with us, couldn't allow her to see, hey, we're for you. And it didn't matter how much we we said that, hey, no, that's not true, we're for you. She just wouldn't listen to us. And you know how often over the last several years it's been so tempting to judge her motives? She did that because fill in the blank. I mean, we, 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 we we tend to do that all the time. We We judge people's motives. Well, I know why they weren't in church or I know why they were in church. Like, you can't win. Like, the heart of... Uh, other people, if you're trying to judge the motives of other people, it's going to rob you of joy. That was crushing to that lady, to sit in the place of God and judge our motives. And it was painful for us. But how often have I been in that place where I've judged other people's motives? And it's crushing for me and painful for that person. We play the role of God and it's too big for us. Humans, uh, we, we say this back in Samuel, humans can only look on the outward appearance, but only God can see the heart. So I think there's an adequate response to judge with wisdom the true words and, and weigh those against God's words. But if, if the words are true, don't judge someone's motives. Don't look at their, their hearts. Just let God deal with that. And I think if you do that, if you leave the motivation diagnosis to God, you'll, you'll be much freer and full of joy. It'll just be easier. And go, I don't know why they did that, but it looks great. Praise the Lord. To focus on the message and not the motives. Here's the second thing. Paul focuses on Christ and not humans. It's so easy to look at people, easy to compare. It's easy to make hierarchies of who's better than who. I mean, I know I'm better than this guy, but I'm not quite as good as her. Uh, and it's all... Uh, it's all this like hierarchy of who can I push down to make myself look better? Because if they're not as good as me, then that makes me look a little, a little bit better. And Paul is refusing to do this to whoever these people are that are trying to push him down. It would be so easy, like, yeah, and so-and-so did that. And you know, they're really bad, so let's push them down as well. He's like, I refuse to do that. He so says, I'm going to simply look in Christ. Is Christ exalted? Is he's the main focus. And if Christ is being exalted, I don't care what happens to me if people push me down. I don't need to be honored and raised up. Christ does. Is Christ being honored? Then I can rejoice. Because the truth of the matter is it's not in any of our efforts or works or motives or anything that wins us approval with God. As if some people will be a little bit better and God's like, well, they're great people and these are bad people. We're all sinners saved by grace. It says, Paul even says, we're, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners, every one of us. We're all saved by God's great grace and mercy. He rescues us and forgives us to make us free. Then comparison, then is just the joy killer. You know, uh, you hear it in churches all the time, at least I do, and I know there's even like a part of me that's like, uh, my heart wants to go there. Like, we're doing it right. Did you guys know that? We're like the only church that's doing it right. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? how like i don't i actually don't honestly believe that i think but but how often my heart wants to go there to make us like oh i think we're doing really good so is everybody else because they're all saved by grace those who those who are in relationship with christ are on this journey and they're honoring and glorifying god so i want to praise i want to worship when good shepherd is doing great i want to worship that damascus community church is thriving that's awesome When Christ is raised up, when he's the one lifted up, we can lay all that comparison down. And then we're free to just have joy and rejoice. You know, last week we opened the letter of Philippians. It's a long, beautiful prayer. Paul opens it on his knees in the right position. I think he's looking at the Lord, focused on the Lord as he's dealing with these other people. And I think that's where it starts. He's called on this mission, it's called to this meaning, and he can rejoice, and all of that joy comes on the heels of prayer. So I think if you're in a place where you're dry, and I was earlier this week, and you're like, man, I'm just struggling to find joy, start with prayer. Start with the right relationship with the Lord, looking to him to give you meaning and mission of where God has you today. The mission field right in front of you. Turn to the Lord. Look to him and say, what are you doing, Lord? What, what do you want me to see in this? I know you have me here for a purpose. There's a reason. You have called me to something. What is it, Lord? Would you open my eyes so that I can see? So that you can give that with the people around you. That we would know that the mission field is today. It's not in five years when that thing happens. The mission field is today with all of those around you. So, so let me take you back to Chili's in Augusta, Georgia. We were sitting around, a bunch of us uh, waiters and waitresses were around, it was a slower evening. We were sitting around one of those little punch key things that we used to have to do to go to like a computer. And everyone was just talking because it was a little bit lower. And there was a couple people there that were full on college kids that enjoyed everything that the world says, you should do this. They were not believers at all. We are all sitting around talking and I was there with them. And they got to talking about Jason and they said, Uh, One of them said, boy, I just respect Jason so much. And I was like, that's weird. They're like, "He, what he says, he actually lives out. There's something different about him. And all the rest of them were like, yeah, we see it too. All unbelievers and me. Standing there, feeling so convicted. I was in chains, Augusta, Georgia, Chili's. The university, it was horrible. If you ever go to Augusta, you'll, you might know. No, just kidding. It, but it, for me, it was horrible. And Jason was so free. And that freedom was so attractive to people. But that, that I still remember standing around that keypad and what that did to me. And going, you know what? I want to live free. I want to live full of joy. I want to be right where God has me and see the opportunities and the mission that he has for me. It's not wasted time. And he's not wasting your time either. He's not wasting it in high school or college or at your job or in your marriage. He's not wasting any of it if you would just turn to him. Let's pray. Lord, we are, we're people that so seek joy and contentment and peace, and we often run to all the wrong places. Lord, would you make us a praying people that start with prayer and then are able to experience the joy of what it means to live with meaning and a point in life that you've given us with a mission of the people right around us. Lord, we reverse those chains to not feel stuck but, but also see them as a wonderful opportunity uh, to advance the gospel, to make a difference in our world, uh, to share your love and peace and freedom and forgiveness. Lord, would you, would you make all of us missionaries? Would you, would you put on our hearts and on our minds, even this week, Lord, who am I a missionary to? And how can I see the opportunities that I, I have, that you put me in, that you've placed me right there to bring you glory, and that would be for my good. Lord, would I surrender, and we as a church surrender to what you're calling us to today and even this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church. You see, Joel, I didn't call you Dr. Joel. I did a great job. Didn't say Dr. Joel.